Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want any information on our sermon series or the other things that we're doing, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. So in the sermon on Hosea 14, I made a mention in in the sermon itself that verse 2 is a tough translation. And I had a few people come up to me after the sermon and say, well, no, it makes total sense to me. And they showed me the passage and they tried to help me make sense of what they thought I was saying. And so I wanted to be a little more clear. I thought I'd make a podcast just sort of describing what I meant. And part of that is because you know, people have men- mentioned to us, if it's that important, why is it in a podcast and why is it not in a sermon? I understand that question. And I totally understand the potential critique there. And I'm not even taking it as a critique, but let me just kind of explain why this might matter here versus somewhere else. A, a podcast has a very specific purpose. We can spend a fair amount of time just talking about a small section of, of scripture, or we might be able to talk about an overall storyline or thought that if we spent all of our time doing that for every single sermon, every single sermon would be hours and hours long. And if we broke it out and just did this little thing as a sermon, it really wouldn't bear as much fruit perhaps. So the fact that on a Sunday morning, we have people from all walks of life, some who are following Jesus and some who aren't, some who are very mature in their faith and are looking for Bible content, whether that be Hebrew or Greek, and some people who just don't care about any of that. They just want to know what I can do with my life right now to change. And I totally understand that. So you have to understand that preaching, to some extent, part of the theology of preaching is for us to take what God's Word is saying, think about it and what it's saying to the original audience, do our work there, contextualize the message there, and then bring it to today. So with that said, if we spend, you know, 15 minutes breaking down one verse, that is just really a tough translation, but it doesn't really change the overall storyline or the overall message of Hosea 14. You know, no matter what this verse is saying, it doesn't, it doesn't remove the argument that's happening all throughout Hosea. It would be maybe perceived as a bit of a waste of time in the sermon itself. So it allows us to spill it over here in the podcast and just sort of say, okay, let's, let's break it down. Let's talk about it a little bit. Let's think about what this means and why it matters. Because some of you might say this doesn't matter. And already I'm bored with this conversation because I don't like Hebrew. Well, then just hit play on the next podcast and move on from this one. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me in the least, but I know some of you are looking for a little more specific content and you want to break this down. So let me just start it this way. I'm going to read it in the ESV. This is the the passage, the translation that we use as we preach and as we often teach here at Park Hills, especially to our Sunday morning audience. So the English Standard Version, the ESV says, Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to them, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bowls the vows of our lips. Let me repeat that last part. And this is Hosea 14, 2. Take away all iniquity, 
accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. We will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Now, just what I was making a reference to in the sermon is that phrase makes almost no sense in English. If I, if it wasn't a Bible passage and if I just handed it to you, you know, if I walked up to you and, and looked you in the eye and said, we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips, you would look at me like I'm a crazy person because it doesn't seem to make sense. The truth is that is very close to exactly what the passage says. And what I mean by that is if you took the Hebrew and you went Hebrew word equals English word, Hebrew word equals English word, and went all the way down the line, that's almost exactly word for word in Hebrew what it says. So this is where we get into the translation discussion that some people care about and some people don't even know is happening. But if, if a phrase in, in Hebrew makes sense, but it doesn't make sense in English, what do we do with that? Do we leave it exactly as is and expect the preacher to teach it? Do we leave it exactly as is and have the readers read it, not having any clue what they're actually reading or saying, where they then come to us and say, I don't understand what the Bible's saying here. Or do they potentially read it and just go, I don't want anything to do with the Bible. The Bible makes no sense. So this is a wrestle match that most translators are fighting with as they think about translating passages like this. You know, the Hebrew in this is something like, we pay bulls, vows our lips. And then we supply the prepositions because those are sometimes in the Hebrew, sometimes they aren't, but we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. And then if you really just stop and think about that, that doesn't make any sense, which is why I said it's a tough translation. It doesn't seem to make sense at face value. Now, when you put it in the context of the rest of the passage, it starts to make a little bit of sense and we can read it and go, okay, I think I kind of know what's going on. So let me show you how this works. In verse one of chapter 14, it says, return, O Israel, to the Lord, your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you, the orphan finds mercy. Now, what we know is happening in chapter 14 here is that there's, there's a number of triplets that are happening. In Hebrew, there's a phrase followed by another phrase followed by another phrase, and all three of those are, are loosely connected. And this happens four times in these first three verses. And then it ends with, in you, the orphan finds mercy, which I spent some time in the sermon just talking about that concept, that the orphan finds mercy in our God. It's a beautiful thing. But really what's happening here is Hosea is asking the people to pray a prayer of repentance, to think about what it looks like. So right, go back to verse one. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. That's what the call is. That's the idea. I want you to return to the Lord your God. How are you going to do that? Because I want you to stop and think. There's a possibility that you could come to the Lord. And many of us have had these experiences where maybe we're at a camp or we have a Sunday morning experience that just blows our minds. And we go, I'm going to return to you, God. I'm going to do what you want me to do. And then the very next day, we don't do what he wants us to do. We forget about it or the worries of life happen and we get choked out by the weeds or we sprout up really quickly and we just kind of fizzle. You know, that's the parable of the sower. And this idea of following God being something that's sometimes difficult and then sometimes 
as we follow God, we're trying to figure out how to make this make sense or make that make sense. When Hosea says, I want you to follow me, I want you to follow God, I want you to walk with him, I want you to, God is saying to you, return, O Israel, to me, return to me. I want you to do it this way. Why? Because you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Then I don't just want you to come back to me and say, yeah, we're all good, God, when we're not all good. And I don't want you to come back and say, I'm going to follow you and then not follow. So if you apply those concepts back to what we're talking about in verse two, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. We will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Well, if we start to just think for a minute, we go, okay, maybe what this passage is talking about based on verse one and then into verse three is the idea that we're not just going to come to you with empty words. We're actually going to come to you with more than that. And if you look at the context of the whole book of Hosea, that's part of what's happening, right? I mean, if, if Hosea married a woman in whoredom, what she's saying is I am with you, even though she's not right. She's acting like she's with someone and her words say one thing, but her actions say another. So by the time we get to chapter 14, what Hosea is saying is, I want your words to match up. How many times have you prayed? And then as you're praying, you're still thinking about the sin that you want to commit. How many times have you come to God and said, I'm never going to do that again. And then your actions say otherwise. How many times have you decided I'm going to follow God and only God. And then another God, quote unquote, or idol walks down the street or shows themselves to you. Or you think, if only I had this bigger paycheck, it would save my life. Whatever those things are that we put our hope in, when we don't put our hope in in God, what we're doing is we're coming with emptiness, right? We're coming with empty prayers, empty words, empty flattery that doesn't match what we're doing. And I don't mean this in a super judgmental, righteous, religious way. You know, I'm not sitting here saying, well, you're terrible because you've done that. Every one of us have done this. And this is what Israel's guilty of throughout the whole book in chapters 3 through 13. But the reminder in chapter 11 of God's love for us is that he wants us to be guided back to the right way. He wants us to be thinking this. Well, how do you do that? Well, you return to the Lord. And how do you return to the Lord? Not just with empty words, but with things that match up with that. So now we get to the bottom of verse two again, and it says, we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. One takeaway from that starts to suggest what's happening here is we're going to tell you, God, that we're going to do something. And then we're going to have our sacrifices match it. So whereas other parts of Hosea say, I want, I don't want your sacrifices. I want more than that. What Hosea is calling the people to do is let's repay with bulls. Let's, let's actually bring the proper sacrifices and let's do so to match the vows of our lips. Let's have our lips match up with what we actually want to do. And may what we do actually match our, our thoughts and our actions and our, our words. May all of that just line up so that we are true to the one true God. Which is why other translations translate that same verse this way. This is the New Living Translation, which isn't, you know, I, I'm being hesitant here. It's not a super amazing translation, but it, 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 it does a little bit of the job. It's, you know, just, just to tell you, like, I prefer ESV for a number of reasons. Here's what it says. The last part of verse two, forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Forgive our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. 
I don't know if you're listening, but that doesn't sound at all close to what was said in the ESV. Let's go down to another one, the, the King James Version. Take away all our iniquity, receive us graciously. That's the, you know, the middle part of verse two. So we will render the calves of our lips. And this is another part of the translation that's difficult. What the, K, you know, what the King James here is doing is saying that actually our lips are the sacrifice. That's interesting. New King James, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Oh, okay. I get it. That's a little close. That's a, you know, that, that's a bit of a jump from what the Hebrew says, but it starts to make a little more sense. The new American standard. So we may present the fruit of our lips. And this is one of those big discussions that's happening in the translation of this passage. Notice there's no bulls there at all. There's actually a bit of a discussion about whether it should be bulls or calves or whether the that phrase is actually talking about the fruit. So notice the newest New American Standard. I'll read it again. So that we may present the fruit of our lips. The NASB 95, that we may present the fruit of our lips. Same thing. The Amplified Version, which does some interesting things with the Hebrew, that we may present the fruit of our lips. Do you notice how there's, there's a bit of a difference happening here? The American Standard. So we will render as bullocks, the offering of our lips. So we will render, render as bulls, the, the offering of our lips. The, there's something going on here. And part of why I really encourage people to spend some time reading various translations, right? So if you're reading a, a passage, you know, if you would have read Hosea 14, two in the ESV, and you read that phrase and you're spending your time, you're going slowly through God's word. And it, you hit the phrase that says, we will pay with bulls, the vows of our lips. One of the first things that I do is go to the Hebrew and just read the Hebrew and see what's happening there. If you don't know the Hebrew, then you might spend some time going, okay, well, what am I going to do with this? And you're reading the Hebrew. Sorry, you're not reading the Hebrew. You don't, you, you know, if you don't read Hebrew, you're looking at all the different English. Well, then pull out other translations and see how those other translations deal with it. It's possible that as you start to compare other translations, you realize, oh, there might be a problem with this in Hebrew. Maybe this is a, a difficult thing to translate, which is what I was saying in the sermon. I think some people heard me say a difficult translation and you thought, oh, well, I'm going to make it clear for you. That's not what I'm, I'm saying. In the Hebrew, it's pretty clear. It's bulls, lips, fruit, right? It's this idea of, uh, of bringing something and there's some connection with sacrifice, the vows of our lips. There, there's something going on. But, but I'll just be honest with you. When you read it in Hebrew, it doesn't flow very easily. And so there's a huge discussion in scholarship about what's working, what's not working, what do we want to do, what don't we want to do? And that discussion in scholarship then plays itself into our translations. And some of you might be re- hearing this saying, well, can we trust the word? Absolutely. Even if I read to you, we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. If you thought about it for a little bit, you can start to think it through and go, okay, there's something here to do with sacrifices. There's something here to do with vows and with lips. Uh, we're supposed to, our words are supposed to match something. You can come to that conclusion, right? The contemporary English version says, accept our good sacrifices of praise instead of bulls. Okay. Yeah. That seems to be close to what the ESV seems to be saying. And the other passages are taking it just one step further. The other translations are taking it one step further saying, this makes the most sense for us. But if you come back to what I started the podcast with and started with this idea, the point is, May our words match our actions, or maybe even taken another way. May our actions match our words, right? That's probably a better way to say it. 
Because our words, we, we throw them around all over the place. We make them say what we want them to say. We can tell people whatever we want to tell them. But what Hosea is saying is you say this thing, but it, your, your actions do not match. Just like I am betrothed to you and you're running around playing the whore. This idea that you're not really doing what you say you're doing, may we change this whole thing. And I think there's some work happening here in, in Hosea 14 too, where bulls are being used in sacrificial toward other gods, right? You're, you're worshiping other gods. You're, you're bringing your sacrifices to idols. So if you've got a bull and you're bringing it to an idol, maybe, just maybe you shouldn't give that bull to somebody else. You should give that bull to God. So may your words match your deeds. May you stop sacrificing to others. May you sacrifice to the one true God, which matches everything that's happening in the rest of chapter 14. And then in verse three, he goes on to say, Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, which is really telling us not to follow national leaders, political power. Let's not chase those things. Let's let the Lord be who we, who we follow and who we let lead. And we will say no more our God to the work of our hands. We will no longer look at the work of our hands and make them a God, which then you go back. Instead of paying those, those idols with bulls, we will now pay the vows of our lips to the one true God, and we will match that with our sacrifices. So I hope this helps a little bit. The idea, the key takeaways here are are really just this. When you're reading a passage you don't understand, start by just reading it a few times and see if it starts to make sense on its own. If you can't piece it together, if you know Hebrew or the Greek, dive into it, spend a little time thinking about it. You might be just as confused as you were when you started. And then it's helpful to go to the other translations. And when you start to go to some other translations, you'll start to notice if there's a variance there, then that means there's a discussion happening in the scholarship about how to take this verse and what it means to us. You know, that's a part of what translation is, is taking something that means something in one language and making it mean the same thing in another language. That does not always mean that you take exactly what the other language says and then move it into this language. So... When I'm reading a passage like this and I get a little confused, I start to back away from it and I go, okay, I'm going to look at the Hebrew. I'm going to look at the other verses in other translations. And that's where I start. And then I take that and I break it down and I go, okay, is there any sense coming from this? And I think what we see pretty clearly in verse two is what Hosea is calling the people to is that their words and their actions must, must match up in some way. Or at least that their words and their sacrifices much, must match up, right? But we have passages in other parts of the Bible that talk about our sacrifices and our actions needing to match up, right? Our worship shouldn't be empty. It shouldn't be that we're just throwing a sacrifice of something that we're trusting that our, our sacrifices and our actions and our words and all those things line up so that we're making God the one true God in our hearts because he already is the one true God. We don't get to decide whether we follow him or not. He just is. And if he is, then may we follow him and may we let him be the one that's in charge. And then as I start to make sense of it, then I go, okay, I see it. But that's usually a highlight that there's a tough translation situation going on here. So that's all I meant in the sermon, that there's a tough translation for this. And when you read it, you go, okay, I think I get it. We will pay with, with bulls the vows of our lips. That doesn't quite make sense. But then you start looking at some of the other translations and you go, hmm, interesting. And then you move to the New Testament, for example, Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, 
the fruit of lips that confess his name. Oh man, that's good. That, that matches up. That starts to tie to us this bigger idea. And then you go back to Hosea 6, 6. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So I start with the passage. If I don't understand it, I move into the translation discussion. And once I get knee deep into the translation discussion, then I start to realize maybe there's something going on here that needs to be worked through. And as I work through it, I might look at other translations. I might look at some commentaries that start to help me understand really what's going on. And then I start looking at other passages in the Bible that maybe are riffing with this passage and it starts to make more sense, which is why some of the translations that I read you jump to the next step because they think what I see happening here with the Hebrew is it's actually a link that's being picked up by New Testament people and other Old Testament people. And because that's matching up, pay with bulls the vows of our lips, that makes sense to now make it, we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Okay, I hope that helps. Translation is not always a fun thing. It's not always a a neat thing to jump into. Some of you enjoy Hebrew, some of you don't. Some of you enjoy these little trips down these wild lanes. Either way, if you made it this far, congrats, and hopefully this will lead you in your Bible study. 